my name is Patch. I can't tell you my last name, and I can't tell you where I live, but I can tell you that this is The X-Files, a reread podcast where we talk about every Animorphs book in order. And we also don't do the intro the same two weeks in a row. <laughs> this week I'm joined by uh, the most wanted criminal this side of the Indolite homeworld, it's Vivian. Hello. And we're here with the most talented Estrine on Earth, it's Kate. Hi. <sighs> you know, I don't know what it is with this one. I just, with us weirdos, there was like one, maybe two weeks, and then I had it down immediately. It was so easy. And this, I just can't get the wording quite right. It might just be because well, there's just some little differences to it that it just keeps throwing you off or something. <laughs> this is also only like the end of the second book, so we're still very early. You have a yeah. lot of time to get this down. There's, there's that too. <laughs> this is like episode, what, seven total? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Is. Yeah. Of yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, triple digits, <laughs> at least. Okay, yeah, oh, yeah. But I guarantee you, if you go back and re-listen to all the episodes, there's at least five different openings. <laughs> Well, yeah, like how in one of them I called y'all out, or called you out in particular about uh, being like the third attempt at doing the intro that one time. Listen, it just adds some variety, which is, as we know, the spice of life. I don't see a problem with it. It's just, you know, it keeps things fresh. That's why I changed how I say the outro every every time. Uh, fair enough, I suppose, yeah. I'm really just trying to, I don't know, the, the other one, the Us Weirdos one, I kind of can do that on autopilot at this point, unless there's something very specific that I'm forgetting, like my own name, I can mostly just do it <laughs> without thinking, but this one is not like that, so we'll see. <laughs> right. Ah, so we finished the book this time. We did, yeah. This one's shorter. Yeah. We got through it faster. Well, we'll it's... three episodes for this. I feel like, I mean, most of the books are probably going to be around this length, right? Just because, like, the first one I'd imagine would have to have been a little bit longer just because there was more to get through. Um, they're kind of going to go all over the place. I'm not going to pretend to know the average number of chapters in an Animorphs book. I may know a lot, but that's a little much even for me. <laughs> gotcha. Some, some are a lot more metaplot relevant than others. Yeah, for so, sure. So, um, you know, those probably, I, I would imagine, would I don't know the length of every Animorph book, but I, because mm. I'm not that much of a goddamn nerd, hmm. but, um... I would imagine that those would take longer. I know that the I know that the uh, the Chronicles books and the Megamorphs books are considerably oh, yeah. longer, so we're gonna have to spend several episodes on those. Those are gonna be like two months apiece. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know stuff but, like uh, Rachel's Phantom Fight. Probably don't. <laughs> it, it really just depends on how much explaining they decide to do of the bizarre sci-fi concept of the week. If they just drop it on us, it's a short book. If not. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, and every time you get an axe book, there's always, like, some, oh, this this whole thing about the universe, about about this particular world that the humans wouldn't know, but the alien would. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, um, 
I suppose. Do we want to just hop right in? It's going to be a short episode, I think, but that's mm-hmm. no reason not to do the talking. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about the whole book after, talk about what we thought about it in retrospect. Yeah, you know, absolutely. How it compares to the first one. Um, so yeah, well, you have the first chapter, I, I think. I do. So. I have chapter 19, which I have titled Emotional Manipulation for Fun and Profit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I feel like so, we've had a lot of chapters named similar things to that in this whole book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when we left off, um, well, I'll let you do it. Yeah, so as of the end of our last episode, Rachel, as Fluffer McKitty, was trapped in a, uh, well, cat carrier, basically, and being taken by Chapman to wherever, where he's going to make Visser 3 to kill her. Uh... They, of course, know that she is an Andalite, quote-unquote. They do not know that she is Rachel. Uh, Jake is morphed into a flea and riding on her back. And uh, Rachel's friend Melissa, who owns the cat, has just seen her dad taking her cat away in the middle of the night and is mm-hmm. freaking out. <laughs> Reasonably. Yes, so, uh, yeah, we we go with this procession of people out into the night, uh, Assistant Principal Chapman and Melissa and Jake and Rachel, and Melissa's, like, just grabbing her dad and begging him not to take her cat away, because if you'll remember, uh, she's upset because her parents don't love her anymore and she doesn't know why, and the cat is the only person she loves, or she can trust, and now her dad is taking her cat away, and it's, yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But uh, then there is just this horrible shrieking cat noise as the real fluffer comes racing across the lawn as though he is being chased by the devil himself. Uh, <laughs> because Tobias, I guess, is chasing him. I'm not super sure what's up with this because when Rachel was fluffer, she was real- willing to take on basically anything. But uh, yeah, this just, fluffer um, is. <laughs> yeah. Well, they I mention, mean, she- like. She mentions specifically that she sees a cut on Fluffer's head, which means that Tobias took a swipe at him, and I feel like that's the difference. <laughs> yeah. The difference well, is that Tobias inflicted bodily harm on the cat. But there is also, like, even when she first morphs the cat, she does mention that, like, you know, the sight of a big bird like Tobias does scare her a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it but freaks her, her out, but about, she's ready yeah, to fight. She doesn't yeah, in her turn about, like, she was like, I'm gonna fuck you up. Mm-hmm. Like, if you come after me, but it's like, oh, it's just Tobias being like, what the fuck, come on, chill. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, there's there's definitely the, the, um, there's definitely the factor of, like, I'm gonna fuck you up, but I think that the story changes when the giant bird actually starts attacking your head. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, that, that thing's take on a different perspective at that point if you're the cat yeah for sure yeah where it's like oh i'm i'm no match i gotta go <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the the real fluffer sees the cat carrier and thinks okay well if i get in there then the bird can't get me and just jumps on this thing trying to get into the carrier which is extremely not a thing my cat has ever done she hates that but all right um <laughs> Uh, Melissa realizes that this is Fluffer and is very confused, and Chapman, to his credit, at the very least, comes up with a lie. This is better than any Yerk has ever done so far. It is, <laughs> sure is. It's really bad. It's the it's, lowest of bars to cross, but it's definitely the best lie any of them have actually tried. Yeah, no, it, it's, it is not a good lie, and a child could see through it, but at least he tried. <laughs> um... Because what he tells her is that this is just some other cat, not Fluffer. It 
they, they sneaked into the basement, and so Chapman is taking him to the shelter. Um, Melissa mostly is... She doesn't get why he didn't just say that when she was grabbing his arm and forcing him to drag her across the lawn and crying, and he claims that he didn't notice her. <laughs> so Yeah, he doesn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't notice you, yeah. but I was crying, and it's like, that, 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 that's a gut shot, that hurts. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sneaked or snuck. <laughs> I think it's snuck in, right? Not sneaked in? I think, I think, I think it's, either, uh, is, either acceptable. is acceptable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like the thing in the first place. Yes, this being another cat is an okay lie, but he just has no ability to follow it up. That's <laughs> I didn't notice you, honestly. But yeah, so uh, Chapman puts the cage in the back seat, and uh, Rachel basically tells Jake that uh, what's going on. That they're in the car. He's got the Dracon beam. Um, Jake is still kind of scrappy about this his response to hearing all this is that and i'm quoting we're not beaten yet my man you are a flea in a cage being taken <laughs> to the cat squisher it's i'm not done <laughs> yet <laughs> i did want to say one more thing about the i didn't notice you line uh it's not a great lie you're no, right yeah <laughs> but but it is basically the perfect thing to say to crush this girl's soul <laughs> so <laughs> Also, that I have to give him credit for. Gotta well, quickly point I guess out. That's that, fair. One thing I have to point out: How does Melissa not see that he ha- is holding a laser gun? <laughs> <laughs> like um, I, I, I imagine that she's like clinging to the arm of him that he's holding the gun in, because the other one is holding the cat carrier. Unless she's grabbing that one, but it's like I still feel like it'd be pretty noticeable to know your, your parent is carrying a gun of some sort. <laughs> Unless he put the, the Dracon beam away when Rachel got in the carrier. Yeah, we don't actually know what they look like, so it's very possible this is just a thing you could tuck in your pocket. Mm, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm imagining like a weird 50s sci-fi gun. So. I, I kind of do too, but I'm trying to make excuses for the book right now. <laughs> like a Mass Effect-ass pistol. <laughs> no, I actually, like, everything they describe, all of your technology they describe is all, like, angular and um, weird and sinister and black and red and stuff, so yeah, it's well, probably something how, like how that. How else are you going to know that they're evil if they don't have the, the black and red aesthetic? Yeah, exactly. If, or like the weird, the weird gray aesthetic. Yeah. If I'm honest, I kind of imagined it like the uh, the, the the hilt, the basket guard of uh, like a. I'm forgetting the word. I know what a basket guard is, but of a rapier or something. Like... No, uh, swashbuckle pirate. Uh, uh, cutlass. Um, cutlass. Yes, that 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 sort of handle thing with the D shape in front. Hmm. I guess I always just imagined it that way because I was very literal as a kid and it's a Dracon beam, so it must be shaped like a D. Maybe it's maybe it's a gun that looks like a dragon head, like a dragon mouth, if it's a Dracon beam. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. Something appropriately sinister. But yeah, um, so in the car, Rachel basically tells Jake that he has to leave because he turned into a flea before she turned into a cat, so he's definitely running out of time, and she doesn't want him to get squished in the cat squisher. So, yeah, she she says uh, just leave. Get out of here. Never mind the fact that he would just be a flea who then cannot see and has no sense of direction, still trapped in a car. 
That well, either, rather, yeah, that part... either, either at least not be being brought to an alien spaceship to be killed. <laughs> not, not to mention the fact that he would even like the idea that he would even even make it out of the cat carrier. Yeah, this is true. Having only a <laughs> yeah. flea's jump ability and not being able to like see where he's going. Yeah, like Jake just <laughs> jumps off and smacks right into the fucking inside of the cat carrier and knocks himself out, and it's like fuck. <laughs> I don't. I, I feel like that wouldn't happen to a flea because they're very yeah. light and they're very durable. But um, but yeah, still not, there's only one direction. Yeah, there's only one direction. There's only one direction you can go in to get out of the cat carrier, and that's in the direction of the door. And the flea has no sense of direction really because there's no like real useful vision there. So mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, he mentions that the only sense the flea has is warmth. So I guess he could try to move <laughs> away from the warm, but that's not going to help if you're in a moving car. Right, but which direction away from the warm, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like... But yeah. Uh at any rate, they uh I guess it never actually explicitly mentions Chapman getting into the car. But they drive for a little bit, and then they <laughs> hop out. Uh, so Chapman gets this cage. He's got Rachel. Um, they're at the uh, same construction site from before, so I guess these guys just really pick a place and stick with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so people didn't notice that there was some shit going on at the construction site just a week ago. They're back here <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Yeah. Although I feel hey. like I feel I mean, considering we know that they have yorked some police, we have to assume they probably have yorked all the police. <laughs> but, like, hey, uh, Visser, Visser, do you think that it's a good idea for us to use the same like landing site that was compromised like a week ago? Absolutely. <laughs> just fucking cuts off his head. One hundred percent. I don't. Uh, I don't know why. Apparently, him. I don't know why. Apparently, Visser three speaks like Mister Burns in my head now, but that's what I'm choosing to do. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Rachel gets carried into the construction site, and she's watching the the, the 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 I guess terrain go by from the front of the cat carrier, and she spots the place where uh, Elfangor got eaten by Vesser Three, and uh, she has this very she is thirteen, and she has this moment of a total acceptance. The Andalite's last despairing cry came to me. He had lost his fight. Now I was losing mine. Maybe there was no hope. <laughs> <laughs> just, just Rachel just shrugging her cat paws going, Guess I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she just starts scratching up a storm. She's trying to kick Jake off, but I don't think this would actually work because I, I have not had fleas, but my dog has. And I've seen him try to get rid of them. It just doesn't work. I, I don't think mm. you could scratch off a single flea like this without killing yeah, no, it. Yeah, no, usually you get a flea bath in order to get them to be removed, right? Well, yeah, but he's gone, I... and she uh, starts sending him private thought messages just to try and, like, confirm that he's gone. He's, like, I was in, hmm? I was under the impression that it didn't work. Yeah, no, because um... he, like, he agrees to jump off is the thing. It's not like he eventually <laughs> mm -hmm. knocks him off. <laughs> yeah, um, but he lies about that. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like we we learn in the later chapters. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like a uh, like three pages from now. <laughs> so he he is he is still on her. Like the the scratching did not succeed in dislodging him. Yeah. And he thought about jumping off. <laughs> yeah, but right now she's just testing to see if he's here, and the way she's doing that is by like private beaming 
a broadcast of her begging him to stay with her after all, and he's just not answering. <laughs> so I guess he really is all in on this lying to his cousin thing. Um, or or he's dead because you scratched him and killed him. <laughs> just tore that boy in half. <laughs> it's possible, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, two bug fighters and the blade ship land. Uh, we do get a little bit more description of the bug fighters this time around. They're kind of beetle-like, insect-like, with long serrated spears pointed forward on each side. It doesn't sound super uh, aerodynamic, but eh. You don't need to have an aerodynamic ship if it's a spaceship. Yeah. You do if it's <laughs> the primary ship you bring into Atmo. Also, now I'm just... Because you said that it has those like uh, forward prongs, I can't not think of these things as just a Vicavolt now. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That's actually kind of like a good... But... Like a good, yeah, yeah, exact, it, it, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, considering Vicavolt is like based on like an actual like ship itself, uh, I'm forgetting which one, but it's like, yeah, that silly like railgun bug boy. <laughs> like, yeah, that that tracks. <laughs> I need to see what Vicavolt's based on again. I forget. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's not that's not entirely. That's it. Yeah, that, no, that's it. That's what that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so Rachel starts smelling how scared Chapman is because she's a cat and she can do that. And she's hoping that maybe Visser 3 would eat the Yurk and give the real Chapman a few seconds of freedom before he's killed. So, just this war has made her remarkably nihilistic very quickly. Um, yeah, super fast. This is the second mission they've been on. I feel like <laughs> there's been some shit going on in Rachel's life before now. Yeah, like, maybe. <laughs> shit we're not hearing about you know like 12 13 it's a tough age so <laughs> yeah um and again she just has this moment of profound understanding of fear and emptiness and i i, I just have to read this line because fear is like a worm inside you it eats you it chews your guts it bores holes in your heart it makes you feel hollow empty alone Thank you, cat. That's why every cat hears whenever they get spooked. Uh, <laughs> Just like, oh, well, feels like a worm is eating my heart. <laughs> like, Rachel is considerably more well-read than one would think uh, for a 13 you know, year looking old. at her for, for, for a 12-year-old because apparently apparently she knows she knows enough about Tolkien to compare her friend to an elf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, she's read those. Um, and she must have read them because those movies haven't come out yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she knows about, like, old cowboy movies and stuff. I, I, I don't know. Like, she's she's a smart kid, so... Which, again, credit to her for having gotten through the Lord of the Rings books then, because it's like, well, she probably only, at this point, she's probably maybe potentially only read uh, The Hobbit and not the main Lord of the Rings books. To be fair, I don't think there's, I, uh, from my recollection, I don't think there's many elves in The Hobbit, right? There are elves in The uh, Hobbit. Okay. Just, yeah. They're, it's yeah. The, they, uh, they're the elves of the forest rather than Rivendell. Oh, the, right, yeah. The thing, the thing is that she describes her friend as having a kind of, like, strong sadness, mm -hmm. which does not really match with the elves as they're depicted in the hobbit that's a whole lot more yeah, for like sure. the, the yeah. lord of the rings trilogy yeah like um, when, when they meet um oh god uh elf lady 
fuck. Yeah, like, Galadriel yeah. and also yeah, Rivendell. Like, and the being, reason... Yeah, no, like, me being like, wait, there's only, like, really two female elves that they mean in those movies. <laughs> that books, really. Yeah, yeah there's, like, fucking five female characters in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so. fair, yeah. But... Two of them elves, one of them is the, uh... that Arwen? Arwen? Yeah, I am no yeah. man. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. yeah. And then, like, Sam's wife. <laughs> yes. And yep. daughter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, you don't remember kids. Sam's wife is named Rosie? How could you? <laughs> because she's, like, she's mentioned, like, once or twice in the entire series before the epilogue. <laughs> like, Sam just being like, oh, I would have liked to take her on the date, Mr. Frodo. <laughs> Wait, it. no, not, not, hmm? not Erwin. The, I forget what the, Eowyn. the human, Eowyn. Right. I wasn't going to comment on it, the, but... They, they right, because right, Arwen no. is uh, is Aragorn's lady, right? If you if you don't comment on that, and then we ever get like more than well, I'm not on Twitter, so I don't fucking care. I can be wrong all I want. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean to be fair, it's like their names are so similar; it's, it's so easy to mix them up because they're Arwen and Arwen. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's completely different. I don't understand. <laughs> there's there's a one there's a one phoneme difference. And you know it. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I'll just finish off my chapter real quick. So Rachel has this meditation on fear, and the spaceships land, and they're like parked in between the construction equipment. And she tries to use the cat's like indifference to all of this, which she calls courage, but I think is probably more like the cat doesn't know what's going on. And then, uh, then the ship's door opens and Visser 3 comes out, and that's the end of my chapter. <laughs> Which which is weird, considering how Morphing is depicted later. It's not like you have a separate mind. It's that you have like the instincts of the animal oh, for in sure. there with you, and the instinctual yeah. knowledge of the animal. Not like oh, the cat part of me doesn't know this thing. The human part of me does. It's like, it, yeah, <laughs> this is like uh, something like oh, the GM interpreted like the Kalistar having like an extra like like spirit like sense in them mm. and everything and it's like oh, occasionally that person could just take over for you if you want <laughs> yeah no and and that's not really how it works later i think i think there's like there's the ability sort of to s- suppress one's humanness and stop stop at like engaging that part of the mind mm-hmm. um which like tobias does a little bit later yeah. when he starts getting angsty but um I mean, understandably angsty, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's that, but it's not like it's a separate entity inside of you, well, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. That's that's not even how it worked in the first book, but that is how it's been working for Rachel this whole time, like, especially with Fluffer. She's always seen Fluffer as a separate entity in her head communicating with her, and so... It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it might also just be, like, how you process the shit, but... That might just be me making excuses for stuff that later gets retconned. This is only the second book, so they might not have the exact canon of how this stuff works down yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's understandable. Yeah. Also, you just mentioning, like, Tobias going, uh, like, little, like, Get emo there and later on it just gave me the mm-hmm. mental image of a hawk with a pair of headphones on listening to Linkin Park <laughs> uh it's no, no, the, I, I'm not sure if Linkin Park is more or less self-destructive than what Tobias does oh no oh, oh no <laughs> I keep having to peck at the CD player to make it play <laughs> 
God. Somebody, somebody switch the disc out for me, please. I can't do it. I don't have thumbs. Vivian, <laughs> you mm -hmm. have the next chapter. Yeah, uh, the next two, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, chapter 20, which I'm going to call Metal Kid Solid, because there's some sneaky stuff going on. Uh, opens We're going to make so many... That like, is got, three episodes gotta, in a row. We, we need to put a moratorium. gotta move past <laughs> the Metal Gear look, Solid. Look, like. it's real easy to use... Metal whatever solid as like a sneaking episode it's, title. It's, it's easy, but that's why we've done it already. Exactly. It's, it, it's... But, but look, <laughs> we'll listen. There's we'll been allow last... it for now. We're we're gonna we're gonna last have time. We're probably gonna have to think of like different uh like names for like stealth stuff. Considering uh you know you've mentioned before that these kids basically had to do a guerrilla war. <laughs> yeah, no, there's lots of stealth happening, and we can't we can't we can't do Metal Gear Solid every time. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> okay, uh, fine. In any case, fine. Uh, it opens with Rachel describing Vista Three as even worse in person than on the hologram, saying how she could tell this guy was radically different than poor Othangor. Rip in peace. I don't know why they need to specify this because they already saw this guy in person once before, like a week ago. <laughs> but maybe that they was did. in the last book. Not in this one. True. I mean, so there are definitely there are definitely still points in these two chapters where Rachel has to re-explain things. Yeah, because because kids aren't reading these in order. True. They're yeah. they're picking up the ones that like have the covers they like and reading yeah, those. Yeah, like oh, this so has the cat. <laughs> you have to be able to follow the story, assuming that, um, you know, you haven't read anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Did that ever stop, like, later on? <laughs> or did By they... necessity, but okay. I feel like they try to keep them as accessible as possible. We'll be at the book the 30. thing is that... We'll be at book 30, and they're still being like, Horpazir are this. <laughs> yeah, like, the the whole, like, the situation that they're under and, like, the status quo does not stay the same. Yeah. And there is a lot of continuity between books, um especially as we start to get like past the halfway point no oh, gotcha. sure. so okay yeah honestly um, by i want to say 21 or so we're gonna it's mm -hmm. it's a lot more involved okay that's cool uh in any case yeah, as, as as soon as, as soon as chronicles starts becoming a yeah uh, an element gotcha okay yeah, in any case, uh, Rachel remarked that uh, Chapman's York is terrified of him, which I feel like also established already, just earlier in this book. <laughs> uh, and then we get that book one reminder of what Hork-Bajir and Taxons are, in case you forgot. They're horrifying. <laughs> big sword guys and big centipede dudes. Uh, at any rate, Visit 3 picks up the cage to inspect Rachel. Well, no, he doesn't pick up the cage. He just like kind of looks in to see Rachel, and she admits to having been absolutely terrified to not even try to take a swipe at him through the bars, which, again, <laughs> makes sense. You might just immediately rip her armor off. And she then proves that these kids are bad at keeping their secret a secret because she almost she says she almost blows her cover by admitting to want to being a human and not an andalite when he's like being like oh not so brave now andalite friend are you <laughs> well he he i mean well she doesn't though she so... doesn't but she thinks she thinks real hard about almost having said so <laughs> which is like when it caused so many problems yeah it's very like she'll talk here about how there's no way she'll survive his interrogations but like mm -hmm. she wants to give everything up before he's even started so <laughs> yeah exactly like well maybe if i just admit now you won't murder me <laughs> it's like uh i don't i don't you think that i don't 
I don't think that's the uh, sentiment she has. I think the sentiment she has is she's being defiant. She's trying to say no. It's not like it's not an Andalite doing this. It's a human. Uh, um, like it, like a wants... like fuck you, my guy. You're getting screwed over by some yeah. kids instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's I like guess. the human pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In any case, uh, she basically uses the cat's mind to help her out in confronting this weird sonic alien deer brain slug man. <laughs> because I don't know how else to really describe the situation. Uh, because she lets it take the reins and just instead of like trying to batten him, just tries to sniff at him because the cat wants to know what's up with this guy. <laughs> uh, he remarks that she's similar to the orange and black creature from the pool, which of course was Jake as a tiger, and Chapman then has to explain what felines are to this guy. <laughs> Again! This yeah. guy's supposed to be in yeah. charge uh-huh. of the whole invasion of Earth, and, like, and he doesn't know what a cat is! Because, like, <laughs> like, they've gone to different planets at this point. You would think at this point, even just by, like, seeing, like, oh, big long creature with little ears and long tail this looks like it's it in miniature you would think you'd be able to just figure out by process of elimination like oh this must be like a weird like relation to that it's just a bit yeah. smaller <laughs> and less but dangerous even, as a even even beyond that there's like basic awareness of the theater of combat there's like yeah <laughs> this guy doesn't know what the fbi is and he's in charge of an infiltration of the mm-hmm. planet Yep, and he has not d- read any of the reports. <laughs> no, because like, he only reads things with pictures. Visser v- Three's uh, inbox on his phone is saying he has like thirty thousand missed messages, and he's just like, "I'll get to that tomorrow." <laughs> and it's like sometimes, sometimes, it. <laughs> sometimes I just imagine Visser Three's voice as being like Donald Trump's. Because <laughs> yeah, well, I can see it. Really weird thing, right? It's because especially when we get into the chronicles and his backstory books, he's supposed to be like super intelligent. He's the guy who figured out how to jump from host to host to Andalites. He he, he is one of the most strategically powerful Yorks they have, and yet <laughs> he's he's just incredibly yet... lazy. He's like Peter Parker. He's smart but lazy. <laughs> He's like, I put in the work, I got the end of life body, what else do you fucking want from me? <laughs> he, he's also just supremely egotistical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't know, he, um... Uh, yeah, okay, so as, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but as of his backstory book, his catchphrase, his, like, mantra, mantra, his motto is, Know your enemy. <laughs> <sighs> God damn! Like, like various like <laughs> Taxon and Hortvizier people. Like at first being like, but boss. Um, <laughs> the, um, and then they they get murdered by him, and he's like, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, know, know you. your enemy. <laughs> nope. Unless you have underlings who can know your enemy for you. Yeah, here's the full phrase that he uses: "Know your friends well, know your enemies better." <laughs> And he sure doesn't. <laughs> no. Yeah, I also don't think he has like friends. I think, I think he's using that word. I don't think <laughs> yeah. he knows. Now, to what be it means. fair, that is like an Andalite saying that he stole. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, he's appropriating he their sayings. It's possible that he doesn't believe it, and he's just saying it because he likes Andalites. He's he's kind of a chaser in that way. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> He's really, really, like, he's, jazzed he's... and proud of having an Andalite host, because he's the only one who he's, does. He's transalien for transalien. <laughs> that's, that's why he keeps trying to kill these kids instead of controller them, is because he also, wants to be the only one with an Andalite host. Also, like, knowing 
and I'm not gonna. This isn't. I'm not. I'm trying not to spoiler here. But knowing what we know, what we learn later about Mister Three's host, can you imagine how frustrated he must be being inside <laughs> this guy, like having this guy inside his brain, oh, controlling what yeah, he's like, doing? Just, just like, a constant <laughs> barrage of him just hearing his Andalite host being like, "Oh, this like, fucking uh, guy, fucking <laughs> idiot, goddamn it!" <laughs> of all the people that could brains like me, it's this toad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In any case, let's <laughs> get back to it. Uh, Mr. Three taunts Rachel a bit with her being a little brave little fool and asks why she won't respond, but Rachel's just consigned herself to try and die as a cat and not say anything, even though, like, two sentences earlier, she was like, I'm gonna not survive this, I'm gonna fucking blab everything. <laughs> uh, but then he asks Chapman where Melissa is, since she is promised to Innis445, who I don't think is the person we know anything about and probably don't hear anything else about it's just right? a random um, york name yeah. okay yeah uh, like i was like just like because a... just because he like phrased it as oh she's promised to this person i was like being like is this gonna be somebody who comes up again is like is this an important <laughs> york or anything i guess not <laughs> uh the closest thing to importance here is that chapman's york is also an innis york but like clearly yeah because yeah, he, he says because he says they're like uh like breeding mates or whatever like they came Bur- from the brood. same yeah, they came from like yeah. the same like batch more or less. <laughs> that the way the way Yurks produce is weird and gross, and we'll learn about it later. Oh yeah, that'll make more sense then. <laughs> it's the hatching from uh, fucking Star Star Galaxy. <laughs> they just melt into a big old fuck soup. <laughs> uh, in any case, uh, <laughs> am I not? Am I? I, I don't know. <laughs> you're you're not too far off. One hundred percent wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, I really do wonder if uh, Brendan's mom, when writing the Starstruck series, did just take inspiration from the Yurks in terms of the, uh, well, I don't know, you remember what the brain slug species is called from that now. Wasn't Star, didn't Star Trek come out in the 80s? It did, but I don't, did it? like, huh. I'm not aware if the brain slugs were actually a thing in Starstruck. I'm not familiar enough with the franchise to know if yeah, that was like, even yeah. a thing at all before, like, this campaign <laughs> like if they were created at like a later date or if they were made for star Trek odyssey yeah know, exactly brennan brennan lee mulligan is about the right age to have read animorphs oh like, yeah, so think, yeah like if, if it wasn't if brain slugs weren't already in that he definitely would have been like oh yeah you want to do something fucking buck wild and gross back sure <laughs> yeah. you can be a yurk if you want <laughs> but a good yurk uh okay yeah uh, but, yeah, in all this, uh, Chapman tries to explain why she isn't here, but Vista 3 just immediately grabs him before he can really even say anything. <laughs> uh, Chapman tries to explain how his and his wife host rebelled, and how him being in constant contact with humans means that putting Melissa in danger, risk having the real Chapman lash out again, which would cost him his position, and then he'd be of no use to Vista 3. And Vista 3 rightfully says, you're barely any use to me right now, my guy. <laughs> but, uh... He, but at that, Chapman asks for his actual self to speak to Vista 3 directly, but while Vista 3 and his goons don't see any risk of this, uh, Rachel spots something moving in the woods nearby thanks to her cat eyes, yet chalks it up to nothing. I don't know why she immediately just is like, eh, that's probably nothing. Well, uh, I feel like, because the way she talked about cat vision working earlier was just laser focusing on, on anything that moves. Yeah. So even if it was just a branch or something moving, if her eyes are shooting all over the place every yeah, time something... <laughs> yeah. Like it's I feel not like, like you'd have to like, get used to ignoring yeah, stuff real it's not, quick. It's not like it's not like he has thermal vision and she can see like uh, her friends <laughs> over mm-hmm. there or anything. But yeah, 
But in any case, Fester 3 agrees to this, as he does nothing but make bad decisions. And <laughs> the real Chapman says his wife only joined and threatened Melissa if he didn't join too. And then he, with no evidence at all, tries to claim that he's a threat. <laughs> 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 which leads us into chapter 22, which I called I Wanna Rock. Because, <laughs> you know, uh, it just starts with Fester 3 just laughing at him and just knocked him over to the ground. Because, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's just a dude. Uh, but he keeps on saying that he'll keep fighting for his daughter till the York, uh, till his York takes back over. And as he gets up, Rachel sees his watch and realizes she only has 17 minutes left in her morph. Uh, so then Vicious 3 and, uh, now continually York Chapman talk about how both Chapman and his wife will attempt to interfere, and in the end, Vicious 3 makes a smart decision, for once, and agrees to leave Melissa B so that he, and he basically just tells Chapman to kick rocks, so he just fucking leaves. <laughs> I think I think it was a, a a cool detail that Chapman could barely like control his own body. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But but I don't know how much sense that makes because he does get practice doing that at least for a little bit every three days. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's that at least. So. Do you think? Well, do you think it's like since he has to talk to Visit Three every night at eight p.m. It's like right after that is when he goes to the York pool and he's just like sitting there, like his York is just sitting there in like essentially the York hot tub, being like, "God, that fucking guy." <laughs> fucking guy, I fucking hate my boss. I can't say it or I'll cut my head off. But <laughs> God damn it, I hate my boss. <laughs> like it's like, oh, I really wish I could get to the pool beforehand, but with everything I have to do as part of my job and also my mandatory mm-hmm. two hours of staring at a wall, I can't really get here until <laughs> yeah. afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Two hours of staring at a wall to deal with the meeting that he has to has to do. You know, like also being being like in school administration is not an easy job. And it takes a long time. Oh, yeah. And it requires a lot of your focus. And he's also gotta deal with this shit. Yeah. Like as though you don't have enough stress in your life already, you're dealing with this fucking dumbass. <laughs> yeah. Again, it sucks to be a yerk. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of feel like if this were realistic, if this yerk were a real person, then he would absolutely be the first one to join the human rebellion because he has to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> He's much. middle management, basically. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, yeah. In any case, uh, once Chapman leaves, the others go aboard their ships. And, but then route, Jake pipes up because he lied about leaving her <laughs> to her own devices and says he heard everything but doesn't know exactly what's going on right now. Uh, so Rachel explains that they're about to be brought onto the ship and of her timer, which Jake brings up that he has even less time than her since he morphed earlier to sneak onto her, which makes <laughs> sense. Uh, he refuses to leave her in the midst that the others are around too, hinting, at where, not hinting that they were what Rachel saw in the woods earlier. And at that, they start up, uh, the, the others start up one of the Earth Movers in the construction site, prompting the Hork Rajir carrying them to drop the cage in the ship and run back to visit three in the doorway. But at that, Jake decides to quickly unmorph and morph again to get directly involved as Rosa three shouts for them to take off, but turns out the ship needs two minutes to get off the ground. I, I, I especially just like how Jake's like, I need to get in this fight, here I go, yeehaw! Like, or whatever, just like, it's like I don't know where you're yeah. jumping off to, my guy, how'd you get out of the cage before <laughs> trying to unmorph? And, and, and it's really goddamn lucky that the place that you're demorphing in, which you cannot see yeah. because you're like, a flea, like, it's is like, an area that is concealed like, I'm, enough I'm, that I'm, you can do so. I'm imagining, like, Jake's player being like, alright, this is gonna be fucking risky, but I'd like to try to jump off and mm-hmm. hope I get out through the bars. And the GM's like, okay, we're going to roll a d20 here. 
you yeah. want like uh you want like a low. 17 18 19 or 20 to actually yeah. go straight towards the bars i think maybe <laughs> yeah. that's maybe like an 18 or 20 and it's like and jake rolls in that 20 he's like fuck yeah <laughs> like his boy yeah. never punished <laughs> But also, he's extraordinarily lucky he didn't try to demorph in this cage and crush himself and Rachel to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. like, any other role of that D20, it's like, you smack into the wall, and it's like, all right, I'm good. I'm out, right? Blap. It's like, now, oh. <laughs> I, I don't know if the human body would win or the cat carrier would win. It might depend on how well designed a cat carrier it is. <laughs> I mean, it's but... designed to keep a uh, potentially, like, pissed off cat under control, so probably the, ca- the carrier, right? Especially if you're trying to... Well, like... There's a difference, though, right? Because a cat cannot exert as much force pressure as a growing human body inside it could. True. I guess it's like, I don't know, that might come up at some point, maybe, of, like, the constraints of that kind of stuff. Because, like, I mean, we see, like, in just a little bit, Rachel, like, just unmorphed an arm to basically, like, just open the cage. Which is um, horrifying. <laughs> we'll see some of that in later books. Okay. Uh, yeah. The... Yeah, the what what happens when you demorph in an area that's too small for you? It it does depend on the stuff that's surrounding you. <laughs> Which makes sense, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I just figure like I could not punch through a cat carrier with my bare hands, so it no. would probably be pretty bad to try and get in one of those all the way. <laughs> and, and you're a full yeah. grown adult. These are like twelve and thirteen year olds. <laughs> <laughs> No, to be fair, they do have alien technology that lets them grow and shrink and stuff. So you you, know. you end up you end up cube shaped like one of those melons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a fucking Tom and Jerry cartoon. Like you get smacked by like the fucking press or whatever, and you're just a little cube. <laughs> you're just like molded to the shape of the cat character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, horrifying. Hey, yeah. In any case, uh, when Vista 3 finds out that the ship needs two minutes to get off the ground, he just full-on murders the taxon that delivers his bad news to him, and he tells, like, some of the others to go get the ship ready while lets the other ones just go eat that guy as he's bleeding out. Horrifying. Vista <laughs> uh, 3 issues orders to the Hork-Bajir outside to destroy the Earth Mover, which, again, it's like, my guy, you can turn into, like, a variety of fucking space monsters. You could easily do this yourself. <laughs> but not gonna do that. I'm the boss. I don't fucking get involved. <laughs> Uh, but while this goes on, Rachel watches Jake slowly rehumanize in the corner and then go back into a different form as his tiger. And the Hork-Bajir managed to disintegrate the Earth Boover with their various guns and stuff, cause... which causes Rachel to worry that Marco and Cassie might have been caught on it. Uh, but she has to refocus herself to partially unmorph to grow back her human arm and stuff to be able to open the carrier door. But basically while she's doing this, one of the taxon, having a little bit of a snack, uh, notices her and alerts Visser 3, but at that point, Jake has turned fully into Tiger and just pounces on him as Rachel gets out of the cage. And I Jake do gets feel the... like this should be game over right here. Visser 3 is not in a morph, Jake has him at a dead standstill. This is how tigers hunt. You get him by the jugular, you snap the neck, and you're done. The end. Uh, I thought you were about to be like, oh, this would be game over because he can see that Rachel is half cat, half person, and not half Andalite. Well, I mean, the Andalites oh. are human-ish from the chest up, so it's... I guess. But it's like, yeah. she's not... Her, her human parts are not blue. <laughs> if anything, so. they're... Like from the from the the waist up, they're weaker than humans. Yeah, and it's fine that uh, she's yeah. not blue because she's still covered in cat fur. I guess. Still, but yeah. I guess no, I weird. just mean like 
Tigers are extremely ambush predators, and Jake has Visor 3 dead to rights here. This should be the end yeah, of but this does, fight. Yeah, but, but does Jake know that that's how tigers kill their prey? <laughs> <laughs> he should. He's got the instincts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true, but also uh, I feel like, I don't know, <laughs> Jake doesn't want to do a murder just yet, I guess. <laughs> Plus, the number one thing tigers hunt is deer, and this guy is fairly deer like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, The tiger's mind is just shrugged, and it's like, eh, close enough, I guess. <laughs> This'll do. Uh, but yeah, in any case, uh, Jake does get some good hits in on him, which causes Visser 3 to scream in pain as Rachel remorse back into her cat. To... And then the dude just fucking haul ass out of there, but since the Hork-Bajir can run faster than she can as a cat, Jake basically has to play interference to keep them off of her. Uh, as this all goes on, Marco and Cassie go and start another Earth Mover for another distraction as Rachel flees into the nearest unfinished building. And in there, she slipped into a small hole in the wall into a basement to try to unmorph, but then she gets distracted by hearing giant steps approach, which only to find giant rocky arms smashed into the walls and sees that Vista 3 has transformed into a giant rock monster. Again, <laughs> proving he could have easily dealt with these earth movers and chose not to. Because yep. he's like, I guess I'm only going to get fucking involved if somebody takes mm -hmm. a swing on me first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's those two. Um, so... Visser 3 has done what he usually does in this sort of situation, which is to morph a big fucking monster. It's his go-to, you know. This dude would um, love Godzilla movies. <laughs> yeah, he, he would. Um, we get, like, just a shit ton of onomatopoeia as Visser 3 tries to grab for Rachel. It's like, boom, crash, crash, boom. Um, arg. <laughs> arg. The, uh, the Earth Mover slams into one of the bug fighters, uh, which explodes. Uh, Visser 3 shouts some abuse to his underlings, um, kind of ignoring the fact that he's the one who's, like, actually in the in a position to do something about the Earth Movers, mm -hmm. being yep. a giant rock monster. Yeah, but... He should be having his, his, his underlings, like, chase the cat. Uh, that's true, but also, like, <sighs> these bugfighters... It got hit by a vehicle that was moving five miles an hour and exploded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. They're like made of tissue paper or something. They're like um, fucking TIE oh, fighters. Also, they, get hit, they get just grazed with like a space, like a little bit of like debris in space, and they immediately blow the fuck mm. up in a giant nuclear explosion. <laughs> <laughs> I've also, I, I forgot, I've, I've, I've called this chapter, they just kind of escape. <laughs> That's what happens. You're not wrong. Um, they do just kind of escape. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Vesser 3 shouts some abuse, so, uh, yeah. She jumps off the slender block wall after, you know, being chased by, and my chapters, by the way, are very short, oh, yeah. so this isn't gonna take long. Um, so she jumps off the cinder block wall, like, towards some, some jagged metal, uh, because she figures it's better than, you know, having to run along, because, like, she's running along a cinder, cinder blocks, and there's, like, holes and stuff, and she's not good at the balance beam. As we determined uh, earlier yeah. in the chapter. Even though she has the cat's dexterity, not her human dexterity. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's also, I don't know, skill, I, I guess, involved. Whatever. She's weak on the balance beam. Rachel, so... you do gymnastics and you never actually took proficiency in acrobatics? What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so she uh, she jumps off of the, the, the cinder block wall um, toward this, like, jagged metal, because she figures that's better than the big rock monster, and then she feels a pain in her back, and realizes that Tobias has grabbed her with his talons, ow. and is carrying ow. her away. Which, yeah, ow. <laughs> ow. <laughs> but it's fine, because, 
uh, he manages to laboriously carry her over to the tree line and drop her where she demorphs um, just in time to avoid getting trapped. Now, uh, Tobias just kind of says, oh yeah, the others got away, and then that's all we get from that. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yep. that's what happens in this chapter. They just kind of escape. Mm-hmm. I've called uh, our final chapter, chapter 23, a glorified epilogue, <laughs> because that's what it is. Um, so, Rachel leaves Melissa a letter in her locker, assuring her that her father loves her. She uses her word processor, because it's the 90s, and also she wants to disguise her handwriting. Um, most of the others, aside from Marco, agree that this is a good thing to do. Marco just kind of stays silent and rolls his eyes, uh, which, you know, Marco isn't allowed to have feelings or show them. So. <laughs> See, Marco, Marco's, Marco a, Marco's never... a man. He has to be tough and strong and not actually have emotion, except when he's talking about his mom. That is extremely Marco... not Marco's deal. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, Mar- how he, Marco that's how he is... thinks he is, is the thing. That... The thing about Marco is that Marco is, uh, most of the time, pretty much incapable of being genuine with anyone. He he hides behind so many layers of sarcasm and, like, wry humor uh, that he, he has these... He usually has, like, he has an emotional core to him, but we don't really see it outside of the books that he narrates because uh, he is that kind of person. You know, been, been there, Marco. You gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta be a little bit more honest about it, my guy. It's gonna be healthy in the long yeah. term. Yeah, exactly. Mar- Marco, Marco will, um, will open up a lot after, after like a couple year, like after about ten years, when he realizes, you know, that that he needs to make a change. And, yeah, you um, know, when he when he has to finally decide yeah. to process his PTSD from having done a war as yeah. a child. <laughs> yeah. No, and that. Hmm. <laughs> well we'll get to that uh, um this this entire podcast <laughs> is just teasing me for things to be like yeah don't worry about it Vi. you'll hear about that in two years <laughs> yeah no that's, don't worry that's we'll literally get there. the last that's literally we'll the get last there when book, you're 37 so. maybe 38 don't worry <laughs> um well how old will you be in five years if you don't 40 read, read all the animorphs books you know? I mean, I'd be 40 regardless in five years, whether or not I read Animorphs yeah. or not. Exactly. So it doesn't make it like it doesn't matter how long this takes. You'll still be the same age at the end of it. It's not like you're losing any time for it. Um, uh. So the kids survive themselves on survive. Sorry, the, the kids congratulate themselves on surviving the the terrorism that they did. Um, but like you know, they did just basically escape the consequences of their own dumb decisions in this particular book. So uh, Marco sarcastically bemoans the idea that they're going to have to do something like this again. Um, But Tobias confirms there will be a next time until the alien grownups return to make everything better, which they definitely, definitely will. Then just constantly calling up the Andalites on their phone, being like, Hey guys, uh, I noticed yeah. you haven't come here yet and helped us out. Uh, when are you gonna come by? Call me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, no, and it's. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's just an Andalite sitting there right next to the phone receiver, being like, Oh, these fucking kids calling again every goddamn day. <laughs> God. <laughs> Why don't they t- it, take a it, fucking hint? <laughs> it's also it's more that space is big huh. and it, it does yeah. take it does take the Andalites a while to get there. Uh-huh. Um, the 
Well, what they said in the first book was that the rest of the Andalites would be here in about a year, so... Mm-hmm. It, the, the, the thing is that um, children are always looking for the support of adults, and they can't trust any of the human adults, so they're waiting for the alien adults. Yeah. But we'll see how that yeah. pans out This alien them. deer is my dad now. <laughs> can't trust my human dad. I need a new dad. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the end of our second book yeah. um and that's a wrap on melissa say goodbye everybody oh, yeah she look... never shows up again that's not oh, she exactly doesn't? true she does have she appears three more times but they're basically just walk-on rules <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's just it's like, like like they couldn't get back melissa's actress as much but like occasionally she's like yeah i have a free <laughs> afternoon so you just see her walking in the background at times being like oh there she is <laughs> <laughs> But like, really, like, they just fully drop this whole thing, basically. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, I'm, 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 in, I'm invested in her story as someone who is, you know, living with the situation that she's living, and we don't really get to see that resolved much. No, no. So don't expect that. Um, overall, I think that this was a, uh, you know, pretty middling for an Animorphs book. Um, it's, it's definitely less but, interesting than the previous one. Yeah. Um, it's just the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Makes looks sense. Like... I need to pull up my list of books and count this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not going to be back for another 30-ish books. Jeez. <laughs> and even then, it's a cameo, so... <laughs> God. Meanwhile, it's like this entire book is focused on her and then dealing with, like, trying to sneak into her, her home to spy on her dad, and then it's like, to say that she doesn't come back to, like, book 33. <laughs> um... By my count, the um, the thermal count is only seven. That's pretty good uh, for this early in the series. Yeah. It is, it is. Um, you know, the thermal count will rise in some of the books, especially in Tobias books. <laughs> uh, well, speaking and of... <laughs> yeah, what's our body count? Uh, I don't think I can convincingly add anything to the body count. Like, okay. we get one on-screen Visser 3 killing a minion, and that's pretty much it. Uh, it still counts. Yeah. He still he definitely didn't murder that guy. <laughs> okay. Well, so yeah. that he, he got eaten alive. <laughs> again, like a weird low key book that is not going to be the standard for the rest of the series. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess for I think the sake of refreshing, as of the end of this book, we've got Jake with one death, uh, Marco with two, Cassie with two, Rachel with five, Tobias with point five, and Visser three gets the only kill in this book for three. <laughs> awesome. But potentially um, more because so... we don't know how many people he fireballed to death last time. <laughs> it doesn't count if it's not on screen and described. <laughs> True. <laughs> Which is why Tobias only has point five. I have to say, Rachel's one of my favorite narrators in the series. Um, I, I, I say that about a lot of the different ones, but I, I like Rachel a lot because she's a multi-layered character, and when she narrates, you get to experience aspects of her character that you don't get when other people are narrating her. I think that's um, very true in the uh, in the, the Applegate books, but when there are ghost writers, that doesn't come across as well, I'm afraid. <laughs> Ah, I see. I, I'll be honest. Um, like I haven't read every single book, and the Ghostwriter ones are the ones that I'm like less clear. But, on I mean, yeah, a fair. Lot of. Those are the ones to skip. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're not gonna skip them. No, we're not. But <laughs> you know, 
So next up, we have book three, The Encounter, narrator Tobias. Um, so that'll be fun. Indeed. I mean, the thermal uh, count is just going to go way out of control, I assure oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's this um, entire chapter of Tobias being like, thermals are good, thermals are great. Have you ever ridden the thermal? Thermal, thermal, thermal. Thermal, 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 thermal. Thermal, thermal, thermal. It's just him like talking to himself, being like having a conversation where he's just saying like, Thermal exclamation point. Thermal question mark. <laughs> is is this the book that you've read some of, Vivian? It might be. I don't know. I would have to see the beginning to see if it sounds familiar. Because like I never got past like the first few chapters, and like the only thing I remember is like being like, "Why is this boy a bird?" Honestly, <laughs> yeah, like I... that would make a lot of sense because this book it starts off pretty rough. So I could absolutely get why you wouldn't stick with it. <laughs> Also, if if memory serves, next not this time, but next time Tobias shows up, really weird shit is gonna happen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, I, I unless you remember, and I'm not gonna. This isn't too much of a spoiler. A space wizard. <laughs> I uh, don't. You brought I think up, this yes, is you, probably you, the book. You, you, have, you have brought up the space wizard before. <laughs> yeah. No, and I'm only going to call it a space wizard because that's vague enough that I don't think it's spoilery. Uh, without offering any Fucking further Gandalf explanation or sending. specifics, I will say that there is no space wizard in the next book. I'm sorry. <laughs> space wizard in the next Tobias? Yeah, not book? not in book three, no. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying a book, the next one Tobias narrates after this Oh, book. well, I mean, that's like next year. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. I'm th- I think what, what I'm trying to figure out is if this is the one that Vivian has read, uh, part of, uh, which um, unless there's a space wizard, and it's a Tobias book, it it, it has to be this well, one. Well, I don't know. But, well, I, I'm looking at the first chapter just to see if it sounds familiar, and already like three paragraphs in, he's talking about thermals. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Yes, is all I will say. No further context. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right. Well. Um, um, yeah. So, how do we feel about the visitor? I mean, that's that's the second book down. We're in. I it mean, now. it's it's like it's it's not really fair to try to compare it to the previous one because the previous one had so much more to offload, but it's still like it's still the weaker book. It's just like <laughs> it. It is it is weak it is weaker. I think it's one of the weaker books in the series. Um but it, it kind of gets an excuse because they're still trying like like they're still trying to figure out what what they what they're doing here, mm-hmm. I guess. Um and it's it's literally their second mission. They're not really in the shit yet. Things are still pretty low stakes considering uh and there are a lot of future books that are a lot more interesting and in which, because all that really happened here was they did the same dumb plan twice and got fucked for it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's what happens, like, that's what happens in this book. They do the same dumb plan twice and then they learn not to do that again in the future. I'm not super so. sure they do, because like, all things considered, this mission ends better for them than the last one did. They blew up a bug fighter. 
they actually succeeded. They, did. they didn't take yeah, any they, casualties. They, they, did. They, they did better than last time, because last time they almost all got caught and blown up, and they got a lot of people murdered with fireballs <laughs> by trying yeah, to help well, them out. They, this, the same thing basically happened this time, except less people died. Yeah, and they blew and up I, the I, ship. I, I, I think the thing that bothers me about this one is that before we have a pretty large-scale story involving the entire Yurk pool, involving, um, you know, all of this, all of this stuff. Uh, and in this one, it's, it's much smaller scale. There's, there's less things going on. There's, um, lower stakes. Uh, and the only real tension that appears, it's, it's because they made a decision that didn't make a whole lot of sense, which was to do this again after it was determined to be extremely dangerous to do. But I think it's in character for them because they're not really versed at this yet. Yeah. And they won't be for a while. Uh, Rachel especially is already rather reckless. She'll get even more so as the, the series you, you, you say that this very first chapter starts with her crushing a bunch of cars with an elephant live on tv <laughs> uh, so <sorry. laughs> apologies i just scrolled through i do need to revise the kill count viscer three does kill another one of his minions it just happens so fast mm. that it's like it's completely it's accidental nothing. and yeah. it... <laughs> Yeah, oh, right, okay. yeah, because he, like, throws something and just qu squishes the guy, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, I mean, just, uh, Rachel... Splat. <laughs> Rachel's still winning, though. Yeah, she right? still got him by one yeah. point, so... Okay, cool, we'll see. It does... There is a uh... segment here about him just trampling around and squashing a bunch of his dudes as the rock monster, but I'm not gonna count that because it doesn't give us specific numbers, so... Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, there is one big event toward the end of the series that I'm thinking of that does not give us specific numbers, but that we will need to count. Yes, absolutely. Uh, if I'm fairly so, sure I know what you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, let's start thinking about how we want to do that. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure just based on the last two books of this series, I know who has the highest kill count, but... <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> ah, well. There's no yeah. point in not tracking it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we're here, is All to right. get way too granular. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were, were, we, were for Other... while, we were for a while trying to track the uh, She-Ra transformations, and then they stopped fucking happening for, like, entire seasons, so I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, other other Animorphs podcasts that stole our name um, <laughs> cover an entire book every episode, but we go further. We give you the details. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know how you could possibly cover... Like, I know these books are pretty short, but that's still a lot to cover in one episode. Well, yeah, I mean, is. we wouldn't do anywhere near the level of deep dive that we would if we covered a book every episode. True. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it basically would be like, here's the fucking Wikipedia article summary, because we can't just go into all the granular details all the time. <laughs> uh, like, I really like the way we do things, because it lets us, you know, get into a lot of what's going on with these books, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's it's not at all a bad system to do surface-level reviews. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. I, I understand it. It's just, you know, this is... 
Not only because I don't want to read an entire one of these every week, but mm. also because um, yeah, that's, you know, a, you that's get, a lot. You get to talk about things in more detail, yeah. and I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Well, it's it's already like a few paragraphs into chapter two that Tobias is explaining what Yorks, Taxons, and Hork Bajir are again. <laughs> yeah, they got to get that out of the yep. way real fast. Yep. Yeah. That'll happen uh-huh. real fast. We'll talk about that next episode. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep. Them, them immediately also doing something really dumb that uh, potentially exposes yeah, their stop identities. spoiling book three for the listeners. <laughs> not, I feel like this is going to happen in every fucking book, though, of them being no. fucking dumbasses. It, it will. Um, so, is there anything else that we should we should talk about, or should we wrap this up? Uh, yeah, no, I think we're pretty much done for this book. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Rachel will ever morph Fluffer McKitty again, so... That's probably a series wrap on Fluffer also. <laughs> Rip Fluffer. <laughs> um, yeah, I got nothing. Okay. And yeah, uh, I guess all that's left to do at this point is to thank you all for subscribing to the show. We appreciate each and every one of you. And say that, uh, remember, Ciro did nothing wrong. <laughs> Don't listen to the haters. Ciro did nothing wrong. I will as always continue to assume that y'all are right, that Zero did nothing wrong. Probably. <laughs> Probably. I, I mean, I'd have to imagine that whoever Zero is, they've also done war crimes. <laughs> like Zero did nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, no war crimes. Nothing wrong. Absolutely not. Nothing wrong. Absolutely <laughs> not. Full stop.